So, new series. Richard has already given us a good little intro, but uh, I prepared an intro, so I'm going to go with that as well. <laughs> um, we're in a series in Joshua. Now, Joshua is, in some ways, the predecessor of Moses. Uh, he's, and Moses was the one who brought all the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He brought them out, he followed the commands of God, and he took them on this pilgrimage through the promised, to, to the promised land, this pilgrimage through the wilderness. Now, during that time, God was doing a cleansing work in his chosen people. And it took 40 years, 10 commandments, and they still didn't make it to the promised land under Moses' command. Moses? Moses. Um, yeah, so God called Joshua. Now, Joshua is coming up into his role of leadership. He is getting the call from God to go into the promised land. God is saying, now is the time. The cleansing of the people has come so you can enter the promised land so that my people will be the hope of the world. Now, that's kind of the, the set out for, for where we're going. And perhaps, if I'm allowed to relate it to the Old Testament, uh, some commentators say it's a little bit like Jesus is coming. His mission is to come to cleanse, renew, restore, and redeem the whole of God's creation. Jesus comes to be the hope of the world. The Israelites are being called to be the hope of the world. So... Let's dive in. Here we are, Joshua's commission. It is time to cross the Jordan, the thing that they've been waiting for for 40 years. So the first thing that I want us to hold on to tonight is this. There's a little slide for it as well. When God calls, he is faithful to keep his promises. When God calls, he is faithful to keep his promises. These people had been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. That's longer than many of our lifetimes. Imagine being born into this uh, wilderness wandering pilgrimage of this thing that we're being told we're going to go to, but I haven't seen any sort of sign of it yet. They've been waiting and wandering, living constantly on the move, but now is the time, the hope that they've been waiting for has arrived. God kept his word. Now for Joshua, this is a big event. This is his time. He has been chosen to take up this leadership mantle. But many questions is, is he ready? Is he up to the task? He might be younger than many of the others. Is he going to be really prepared for all that comes his way? Will people even listen to him if they think that they may be no better? Maybe questions that we might be asking if we feel called by God. Really? Is it re am I really ready? But the point is, not about Joshua surprisingly, 
The point is about, I think, what God is doing, where God is in it, what God is saying he is going to do. God is calling Joshua to do the work for God. So the point is, God will go. And when God says go, he will be with you. God will be with you. It says be strong and courageous because I will be with you. So when God calls, it's not really about our ability, our position, our popularity. No, when God calls, he also does not send you out and say, go on, I'm just sending you on this task. I'll be here. Either succeed or fail. We'll find out at the end. No. When God calls, he says, and I am going to, I will be with you. I will be working it out. When God calls, he is faithful to keep his promises. Now, I want to call someone up to share a bit of a testimony. If you were there at the 10.30, you might have heard it, but it's encouraging. This is an example of when God calls, God does the work. So, Sarah, if you're up for sharing, that would be brilliant. Are you all right to use this one? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, Yes, when God calls... He's there. It's amazing. So um, I am responsible um, for team well-being at my work. Um, it's a team of 30 people, and I am a stealth Christian. I'm not um, responsible for team well-being because people know I'm a Christian. Um, it's just a role I've been given. And five weeks ago, I was texted by one of the team managers to say that um, one of their team members had been diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, I contacted this person straight away and said, um, I'm, you know, you, you don't know that I'm a Christian, but I want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you, um, and we're here with you um, on your way. Um, after that call, and as I slept, and as I woke up the next morning, I had this real conviction, like a real God-anointed conviction, that my prayer wasn't enough. He told me um, to form a work prayer group. I was like, well... I know that there are some people in my work who um, are Christians. They um, sometimes talk about going to church, but it's not something we've ever talked about as individuals. But um, I called them, each of them up on Teams and said, I've got something weird to ask you. Um, see their faces drop like, oh, what's crazy Sarah got now? And I said, you know, I really have this conviction from God that we need to pray for this person. Are you up for it? And they both said yes. And um, I said, okay, 10 o'clock every Monday morning, we're going to pray for 10 minutes. Um, and I said, we're going to be prayer warriors. <laughs> um, the picture in my mind, I don't know if any of you Marvel fans I am, but I had that real sense at the end of Endgame where all the whizzy, you know, lights are coming through and there's just this, the, the, this assembling of all the Avengers. That was us. We're prayer warriors. Um, I wrote each of the prayers that I pray down because um, I also, in my conviction, um, prayed specific things. And in response, I got response from the person that we were praying for. And that Again, not something I've really done is prayed specifically and heard specific answers, but um, I'm going to talk you through what those prayers were. 
Um, so the first pray, prayer I prayed was for peace of mind, wisdom, and guidance. And I texted to this person. I said, this is what we're praying for. Um, and the text came back. Thank you. I felt calmer, and I feel more positive. Um, she then let us know that she was going to see um, a cardio surgeon. So I said, we're praying for, as, as our prayer warriors, we're praying for open ears, um, for the confusion that you feel to leave, and for peace and light. Um, and following the meeting she had with that cardio surgeon, she said, Sarah, I felt reassured, I could hear, I saw the scans, it became reality, but I felt at peace. It's amazing. Um, she was then told that the surgery couldn't go ahead in the hospital that she'd chosen, and she was referred to Bart's Hospital. Um, and she was desperate to get that call from Bart's, desperate to hear um, when she could see the next surgeon. Um, we prayed, and literally within minutes, she received the call on that same day, and she got an appointment to see the cardiothoracic surgeon the following week. We then prayed um, to make the impossible possible. I don't know why I was convicted to, to pray that prayer, but I was like, make the impossible possible, God, and make all obstacles in the way to be cleared. Um, she called me, or texted me after she saw the surgeon, and she said, the surgeon said that he could do keyhole surgery. Up until that point, she was told that she, her ribs were gonna be, have to be cut open, they were gonna have to go, and it was gonna be a long and hard surgery. But the surgeon that she saw apparently is the top thoracic surgeon for um, robotics. And he said, no, I can do keyhole. And he was going to operate the following week. Um, during that week, um, the surgeon called again and told her, OK, I've got you on the list. And um, you're going to be late on that list, I'm afraid, because I've had to squeeze you in. So two Sundays ago, I phoned her to see how she was doing. She told me that the surgeon had called over the weekend. And she said, and I finally asked her what she wanted me to pray for. Up until then, I just had felt convicted about what, um, as did my other prayer warriors, about what God wanted us to pray for. But she said, could you pray um, for an early surgery? Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be allowed to eat or drink, and I just don't think I can go until the last surgery. So please, can I um, have an early surgery? Um, and then I got a text on the Thursday before she was due to go in to say that um, the surgeon had called and told her she was going to be first. Wow. At that point, I then texted her and said, right, it's another win for Jesus, because I was like, this is amazing. I also told her that um, God had been so good up to this point, it would be a bit rubbish if he let her down when she went in the next day. So I had absolute faith that um, the surgery would go okay. Um, but she also told me that the surgeon said it was going to be extremely painful when she woke up. She would be in a lot of pain. Um, on the Friday of the surgery, um, I just put a thing on our team's chat and said, okay, do this in today. I want, you know, whatever your belief is, please just hold her in your thoughts, hold her in your prayers. Um, let's just believe for a successful surgery. Um, and that was a bit out there for me, again, just to kind of get the whole team of 30 involved. Um, so we prayed for successful surgery, prayed for supernatural pain relief. Saturday, the day after, just a week ago, her husband phoned me in the evening and said to me, Sarah, she's, um, she's come off the morphine. And I was like, hold on a minute, I thought, it was going to be really painful. He said, no, she's come off. I said, well, you know that we prayed um, for pain relief. He said, yes, Sarah. Um, the only way I can describe the last five weeks is miraculous. I've been miraculous seeing what I've seen. Um, she'd been told when she was put in, that she, when she was in, um, in the hospital, that she would be in for a week. Monday, I got a text message from her saying that she was being discharged four days earlier than she had anticipated. Again, amazing. 
Um, this last week hasn't been easy. It has been painful. It has been hard. Um, but every day we've said to her, you know, we're praying for pain relief. And on Tuesday or Wednesday, I got a text from, text from her saying, actually, Sarah, I'm trusting in you more than I'm trusting in the paracetamol. So it's an amazing testimony. And honestly, it's such a privilege to be able to tell you all. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia. How great is that? And we trust that God will continue to do a work there. And God, we just pray uh, now as, as a congregation here, would, would you have your hand over Judith now? And Lord, would she know that she has uh, such an awesome power holding her throughout this whole procedure? Jesus, thank you so much for what you're already doing. Amen. God calls and he's faithful to keep his promises. And then for Joshua, it wasn't about his personal gain. For Sarah, it's not about her personal gain. It's about saying, yes, okay, you're calling and so I will go. Because it's about what you're going to do. And how encouraging is that? That not only does God do it, but he encourages us in it. It's like, oh, great, okay, let's do that. And so then God says to Joshua, so be strong and courageous because I am going with you, because I am doing a work. He, he says, be, have your strength in God. You don't need to be strong yourself, but it's the, it's the strength from God from where he gets it from. He is told to be courageous, to be brave, because it's God who is having his hand, his work to do in it. We just say, okay, with the little frailness that we have, with the, oh, I'm just really not feeling it at the moment. But God says, I am going. Be my vessel, be my empty vessel. I am going with you. And then the second thing I want us to hold on to is that after the commissioning of Joshua, God tells him to be careful to keep his law. He says in verse 7, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand. He says, verse 8, meditate on it so that you may act in accordance with it. And interestingly, you might have noticed earlier, it says meditate on it so that you might act, so that it's on your lips or your mouth, not so that it's stuck in your heart, in your inside, but have God's word, have God's law so embedded that it can't help but manifest its way out so that it's all, all in, inwards and erupting outwards. How cool is that? Now, let's remember again what's gone on before, that these Israelites had been walking in the desert for 40 years, and then they finally reached this promised land. Now, the desert wasn't that big, I'm just going to say. They probably could have walked all the way to South Africa and back, I reckon, in 40 years, maybe twice, who knows. But I reckon they probably could have made that. But that's not the point. It's not the point about the journey, the length, the distance they made. It's because God was doing a cleansing in his people. He was basically sending them around in circles because he was like, you're not ready yet. Let's, let's keep going. 
I need you to be ready to be the hope of the world, to be representing me, to be showing the world that I am doing a good thing. And so the call comes with this kind of, this important condition. Now again, it's not our strength, it's not our own courage, it's from God, but he says, abide in me. He says, have my whole word, my being, right through your bone, right through your core. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left hand. When I call, don't go thinking that there's something else that's going to be a better fit to go about and fulfill the call that I'm calling you to. No, abide in me, stand in me. Jesus tells us, doesn't he, the vine Be in the vine. Remain in me so that I can remain in you. Because he wants to be in you. Now, have you ever seen uh, heavyweight lifters? Maybe at the Olympics or uh, maybe you like to lift some very heavy weights at the gym. Uh, have you have you ever noted kind of the the like sequence as to what they do when they're preparing to lift a really heavy weight? Okay, I've kind of <laughs> from what I've uh, observed, it seems to be all about the footing, right? I don't know if you've seen, but they do this like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my feet, like, really, really. And then he do, do it again, and then they do it again. before. The, and then once they've hold, held the weight, they kind of test their feet again. Bit weird. But anyway, it came to mind when I was thinking about God saying, do not waver, do not stand, do not um, grasp for other things. Make sure that your footing, before you take on this task of mine, make sure that your footing is standing strong, is on the right grounding And it's not our grounding, is it? It's God's, because God is doing the work. God is going with us. God is sending so that he can do a work. I mean, goodness me, if the weightlifter decided to look that way while he was picking up the thing, it's going to be a disaster. It's just going to be a disaster. The weight's going to fall. Someone's going to hurt themselves. Lots of people might hurt themselves. Get your footing right. Get the grounding right in the right place. Be in with God. So be strong. Stand firm in God's ways. Say yes to the call and remember who it is that's calling you. We have this solid rock in Jesus. Now, As I was reading through this, you might have picked up on some big iffy kind of things in in the passage. I had these two big questions. I'm not going to fully dive into them uh, today because one of them's kind of already been answered in some of our talks last week. But my two big questions in this passage uh, was, firstly, this conditional success. It says, you'll be successful and prosperous if you do as I command, if you keep my uh, word. Does that mean that uh, God is going to make us rich, us wealthy and popular? And then the second one is about this talk of violence. It's, uh, it's this command to go off and wipe out a, uh, <laughs> a whole uh, people group. Um, that does not seem on the surface to be in keeping with his tender 
commandments in keeping with the loving character of God. On the surface, it seems a bit odd. So that particular question for me, go back and uh, look at what Nicola preached on last week. Look at what Chris Rogers uh, preached on when we watched the video last week. Uh, It's very helpful, very helpful thinking about what does violence really mean? What actually is the bigger picture? What's God actually calling us to? And ultimately, uh, for this one, the quick, the quick one is that God is doing a cleansing work for the people of God to be the hope of the world. He's, he's calling them out to a place to, uh, and that he has promised. And it's not a total wipeout. It's more about the culture in which he's wiping out. That's a very pithy little explanation. Please do go and look online at uh, our other explanations about it. And then the other question about this success, this prosperity, what's that about? Can we read it with worldly lenses, perhaps? Sometimes we kind of think, oh, are we, are we about... Uh, Are we about fame? Are we about wealth? Well, as I was reading it, I I was finding out it's actually, it's more about what the success is, what the prosperity is. And it comes back to not ours, but God's. He's saying, you will be successful and prosperous because it's the calling that I am putting on you for the hope of the world. I will be faithful in fulfilling my promises. If you do my work, then I will go. I will do. There will be answered prayer if you're faithful to do it. You will have success in the work that God is doing because it's God's work. Are we getting the picture now? It's a broken record. We're getting it. (laughs) Cool. And then thirdly and finally, God doesn't send us on our own. We already have heard that God goes with us. But also, note near the end, uh, God sends help. There's this like 2.5 tribes who uh, already have been given land. They're um, beginning to get ready for rest. But God has already said through Moses in Deuteronomy uh, earlier on that uh, these, these people who have been given some land already are going to have to go and help their brothers and sisters, help the, um, the rest of God's calling to fulfill. And these 2.5 tribes, they don't sit back and say, oh, it's all right, we've, we've got our bit, so you know, we'll, just, we'll just huddle down and be, it'll be all right. They recognize that Joshua speaks with God's authority. He speaks God's word. It's the authority that comes from Joshua that this 2.5 tribes say, yes, we are following God and you have God on you. So I wonder for us, when we sense a calling to go, to do, to be obedient, to form a prayer group, to, to go and speak to that person that we work with or that stranger on the street, or even just to do the thing that God is, is calling us to do. Who might he be drawing alongside to be your encourager, to be someone who might help you do the thing that you're calling 
you know, it might be forming a group so you're not doing it on your own. It might be asking someone to pray with you, to, to be accountable to. And then what if we're the 2.5 tribes? What if we're recognizing, hey, God is really on that person doing some awesome stuff. How can I help? How can I be an enabler? How can I get on board with what that person is, is doing, which is clearly God's calling? How can I get involved? Maybe uh, during lockdown, you were someone who helped with food delivery, or you were someone who helped with the NHS kind of frontline stuff, all, all these things that are um, meeting the needs, seeing God at work, being on the front line, saying, okay, let me help. I've got time. I've got finances. I've got, what have I got? What's in my hand? Maybe that's something that we need to look at as we think, God is calling me with who I am, because it's not about me, it's what God will do. And so what's around me? Who's around me? How can I be used for God's glory, for my encouragement, for his glory, for others' encouragement, and for the hope that is to come to proclaim that? So to conclude, when God calls us, whatever that looks like, it might just be about following him. That's a calling. He is faithful to keep his promises. When we say, okay, God, I'm going to stand firm in you. I'm going to keep memorizing. I'm going to keep uh, meditating on your words so that it's something that I can't help but act out. Here I am, God. Use me. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much that you see each one of us. And that you don't leave anyone out. And Lord, thank you that when you speak, you are faithful to keep your promises. Thank you, Lord, that when you speak into our lives, when you call us to get involved in what you're doing, you do it because you are God. Lord, would you encourage us today? Would you encourage us today, Lord? You might have something already in mind that you know God is calling you to. And maybe that sense of calling is uncertain. But if you're ready, why don't you say, okay, God, show me. Show me what you're doing. Show me how I can get involved. Thank you.